You're listening to the VJ Books Podcast, produced by vjbooks.com, the premier seller of signed books. In every episode, we chat with an author, discuss an upcoming book, or give you tips on how to start your book collection. Make sure to follow this podcast on your platform of choice to get the latest updates, and subscribe to us on anchor.fm for ad-free episodes. For just a dollar a month, you can get exclusive ad-free episodes, plus a monthly discount code usable on anything in our store. Enjoy the episode. Our guest is Kevin J. Anderson, one of the most thoughtful and prolific science fiction and fantasy authors. We're going to come full circle in a way today, talking about one of his latest works, Clockwork Destiny. Now, in the afterword titled The Measure of a Life, you told the story about how your first novel, Resurrection Incorporated, was inspired by a Rush album called Grace Under Pressure, and you put that acknowledgement when it was published, saying you love the music of Rush, and they inspired a lot of your stories. You autographed copies, sent them to the record company, thinking they'd be forgotten. That was nice, but what happened later was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Can you share how that worked? Well, I was... You know, in, in high school and in college, and and I was I was the kind of nerdy fanboy who didn't, you know, I was listening to Rush music, Twenty One Twelve, and and A Farewell to Kings and Hemispheres, and and it's it's science fiction progressive rock. And like I said, I was this nerdy guy who I had glasses and a bad haircut and hand me down clothes, and I read comic books, and all I wanted to talk about was The Hobbit or Dune and and, um, you know, when you listen to Rush, all the music that was playing on the top 40 radios was, you know, ooh, baby, baby, I lost my girlfriend. And, you know, I wasn't going to get a girlfriend anyway because I was reading science fiction. So I just listened to Rush and, and it just I felt Neil, Neil Peart's lyrics really spoke to me. And they inspired me to write a bunch of like bad fantasy stories. And I got better and better. And and you when I finally started writing my first novel, uh, Rush had just come out with an album called Grace Under Pressure, which is sort of this science fiction dystopian, um, uh, all the songs in there have kind of connections to things. And as I'm writing my my science fiction novel, Resurrection Inc., I, I felt like, well, wait a second, this no this album is like the soundtrack to my novel. And so being a fanboy, I made sure that I kind of secretly snuck lyrics all the way through the book and and kind of shaped it around some of the songs that, you know, nobody would know it but me. But when I got it published, I did put it in the acknowledgments. And I, I said, you know, that this was inspired by this haunting album by Rush. And and as you said, I, I, I signed and mailed off copies. And, you know, it it's to a big record label, Mercury Records. And, and you don't expect it to go anywhere. I figured it was like the warehouse of the Ark of the Covenant. Um, but then like a... A year later, I, I came home and I got the mail and, and there was bills and Safeway flyers and stuff. But there was also a letter with a Canadian stamp and the, the return address said Neil Peart. And I was kind of, you know, you don't get to use the word gobsmacked very often, but I was pretty gobsmacked. And I opened it up and, and Neil had gotten my book and he read it and he loved it. And he wrote me this I don't know, three or four page fan letter. And, and he said... If if you would like to keep corresponding, I would welcome that. And I mean, this is my my idol from the time I was in high school. And so I, I wrote him back, and we wrote back and forth. And and um, 
I he was a, became a there was a I put this in the afterward uh, of Clockwork Destiny that there's there's this point where your idol becomes your mentor becomes your friend and and that just really meant a great deal to me and you know I went backstage at every Rush concert since 1991 and and uh, you know we he stayed at our house and we went hiking together we wrote a a dark fantasy short story called Drum Beats. Um, about a, a rock drummer bicycling through Africa, which Neil did a lot for, for, he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. He, he would bicycle by himself through Africa and he'd write up all his descriptions. And I got invited to do a short story for an anthology called Shock Rock. I think it was from Pocket Books, if I remember right. Uh, and uh, the editor invited me and I wrote him and I said, well, would it be okay if I wrote with Neil Peart, the drummer from Rush? And of course the editor said, you don't know the drummer from Rush. And I said, I said yes, I do. And so we, we turned Neil's experiences into this really, really creepy uh, dark fantasy story that got published there and has been reprinted a whole bunch of times. And, and um, so anyway, so we wrote that together, but we always, we always wanted to do something bigger. I really kind of wanted to tie an album with a novel that we were brainstorming and, you know, I pitched some things and, and um, we were just kind of dabbling with starting something. I have a novel called Hopscotch that, that um, it's kind of like switching bodies, the way you switch clothes, like you can be a, um, you know, an old guy for one day or a supermodel the next day. And anyway, but Right around then, Neil had huge tragedy in his life. His only daughter got killed in a single car accident. And then shortly after that, his wife died of cancer. And then he had to put his, his dog to sleep. And so it just, it just wrecked him. And he kind of fell off the, fell off the world for a while. And uh, he basically, he, he kind of withdrew for a long time. And then he got on his motorcycle up, hit a cabin up in Canada and he got on his motorcycle and just left. He, he like over the course of the next year and a half or so, he went from Canada all the way across the Trans Canada Highway to Alaska and then down the California coast and zigzagged around America. I mean, this is months and months and months, him all by himself. And, and finally, he got all the way down to uh, Mexico City and he kind of woke up one day and said, OK, I'm done, ready to get back to the world now. And he shipped his motorcycle home and and came back. And throughout this time, um, I had kept writing him and sending him things, but I never heard anything back because I, uh, you know, he had lost touch with everybody. And then I got this letter from him. Uh, it was like this chill going down my spine that, I mean, again, this is a year and a half of utter silence. And I knew what he was going through. And then I got this seven page single space letter from him. And he, he says, uh, dear KJ, I could sit down, uh, pop open your favorite IPA and, uh, I've got a story to tell you. And he wrote all about his journeys and things. And then he wrote that all up in, in a very, uh, very moving book called Ghost Rider. That that's one of his most popular nonfiction books. It's called Journeys on the Healing Road, I think is the subtitle of it. Uh, so that so he came he came back and this you know rush stopped recording for years because he was gone and and they finally came back and um he he went through a lot he got his life back together uh eventually he he married another uh, uh somebody else uh, uh 
a woman named Carrie, and we got to be very good friends with her as well. He had another daughter, Olivia. Rush kept going out, and then um, when they were they were starting to work on a new uh, concept album, sort of a steampunk fantasy concept album. And Neil had this idea with a steampunk carnival and an anarchist and a watchmaker and this young man's coming of age and lost cities and pirates. And and so Neil was writing me because I've written a bunch of steampunk. And in fact, I think that's how he got introduced to the genre by reading my Captain Nemo and my Game Earth and, and things like that. And so he's writing me all these questions about, well, this this about steampunk and this about stories and this about things. And remember, I'm still, a, even though I, at this point, I had been his friend for 20 years, I'm still kind of gosh, wow, Rush fanboy that, that you know, asking me all this stuff. And, and so he's plotting this whole story and I'm, and he's sending me the lyrics as he's writing them. And, and this is really cool. And Rush recorded the first two tracks from the album, just sort of as samples. And then I think it was like 2011 or something like that. Um, Rebecca, my wife and I were having lunch with Neil in a diner in Santa Monica and Neil was just so elated and so excited that that this project, Clockwork Angels, he was so happy with it. And it wasn't just going to be a a Rush uh, concept album, but it was going to be a, a Broadway musical and it was going to be a novel and it was going to be Ice Follies. And and I'm you know fanboy guy. I'm going, ooh, cool, Ice Follies. And but my wife, she just says, well, wait a second, Neil, uh, it's going to be a novel. Who's going to write the novel? And Neil just kind of offhanded, well, Kevin is, of course. And so um, that kind of blew me away. And we, of course, we decided we're going to write Clockwork Angels together. And uh, during uh, during a Rush concert, they came to Denver. And there's this really beautiful amphitheater here called the Red Rocks Amphitheater. Kind of a spectacular, it's in rock formations, kind of like the, the Hollywood Bowl up here in, in Denver. Beautiful rocks. Uh, and they played two concerts in this tour, but there was a two concerts, but there was a day off in between them so the band could rest. Well, I wasn't going to let Neil rest. So on the day off between the two concerts, um, I took him out and he and I went out hiking and climbed a 14,000 foot peak. And as we're climbing Mount Evans, 14,000 foot peak in between gasping air, we're plotting clockwork angels and setting up scenes and the characters and putting this all together. Um, and, and so I'm Kevin J. Anderson. I'm, I'm had 40 New York times bestsellers. I've got 20 some million books in print and, and star Wars and X-Files and Dune and all this stuff. And Rush is one of the most successful, uh, bands in music history. They have the Guinness world record for the most number of platinum records of any musical group. Uh, they sell out crowds of 10,000, 15,000, 30,000 in their concerts. So I, Kevin Anderson, am going to write the novel for the new concept album of Rush, which is a gigantic, successful record or, or recording artist. And would you think any of my regular publishers wanted to publish that book? They all said no. They all flat out said, well, how do you make a novel out of an album? And do Rush fans even read? And we just went, oh, you got to be kidding me. Because I'm, I'm going, 
this is my biggest thing since Dune and Star Wars. And they're like, well, we just don't get it. And so we went to uh, Neil's, the pub, um, I think a publisher of Ghost Rider, the, the, um, the psychological book and the emotional book. He said, well, my publisher is really good. Why don't we just go to them? And so it's a big Canadian publisher based on, uh, you know, on that level, but it's still not, not Simon and Schuster or something huge. Um, but we went to them and they, and they just loved it. And they produced the most gorgeous book. It's filled with color illustrations, all painted, uh, by Hugh Syme, who's the guy that's painted all of the Rush, uh, album covers. And it's filled with color paintings and, and it's just this gorgeous book that ECW Press released. And of course, Rush, they're selling these books at every concert right next to the t-shirts. And and it's on their website and it's on my website. And we're the very first week out. Remember, this is the book nobody wanted to publish. The very first week out, it hit the New York Times bestseller list. It's the first New York Times bestseller that this publisher has ever had. And it went on to win several awards. It's critically acclaimed. And I just loved it. It's such a great book. And then we kept kind of talking for a couple of years um, that there are so many other stories you wanted to tell. Well, what about this guy's story? And what about this character's story? What about this person? And it just took us a long time to figure out what to do with it. And I finally had like this brilliant brainstorm about, ooh, here's how we connect them all together, like a Canterbury Tales in a steampunk world. And there's this overarching story, but there's a reason to get all these other stories. And and Neil loved it. And and when I was writing this, I just it's one of these cathartic things that that this is one of the best books that I've ever done. And I could feel it when I was writing it. And um, and that one, ECW, we loved what ECW did. So we didn't even go back to the publishers by saying, you know, look, the last one was a New York Times bestseller and you turned it down. We, we just we, it didn't even occur to us. We just said ECW is going to publish it. And they they did an absolutely gorgeous uh, leatherette embossed cover with alchemical symbols all over it. Um, and it's it's just a beautiful book. It came out, I think, 2016 or something like that. And I should say that that VJ Books is going to have signed copies of all these on their their catalog. And, you know, this is why I write long books. It's a long story, but I'm going to, you need to have all of it. So when we were writing the stories in Clockwork Lives, one of the stories has kind of like this open-ended thing in it. And Neil was really inspired by it. He said, well, what if, what if we take this and we have another adventure up in the, up in the great white North and the, the, the Northern lights and the source of the quintessence and explore um, all this. And, and I thought, well, what if we just, we, if the watchmaker is dying and they need and our character, Owen Hardy has to make one last adventure to go and do this. And, and we just really started riffing off of it and, and came up with this great idea for, for a third and final book in the series. But this was, um, I mean, I was swamped and busy with a bunch of other book deadlines Neil was just about to go on the Russia's last tour, the R40 tour, which is their, if you can believe it, their 40th anniversary tour, 40 years on the road. And so when, when Neil goes out touring, it's, it's 150% of his attention and his drive that, that he practices like crazy. He does everything. Um, and he, you know, he 
has a had a daughter now and he's got a wife and he he kind of um i think he would have rather kind of kicked back and stayed home but this was their their grand finale they were gonna you know retire after 40 years and he goes out and so we had we just kind of put these notes away for clockwork destiny and then so rush finishes their their tour and it's spectacular and and neil's kind of he's finally retired and he and i start talking more about uh this third and final book clockwork destiny but as i as i say in the afterward you know that we there was no hurry i mean he had things to do and he wanted to to relax a little bit i had dune novels and seven sons novels and you know we had all the time in the world to do it um until there was no more time because shortly after they retired uh neil was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer and uh in the last few years of his life whenever i met him uh and we go out to lunch or try to, to get together uh, we would talk a little bit about clockwork destiny and we kind of had it but you know it wasn't i wanted to spend time with him and um so we we kind of had this but we we talked about it and and neil neil knew that i couldn't write this until after he was gone and he passed away in january of 2020 and I was one of the speakers at his memorial service along with a couple other people and I I just put these notes away. I couldn't look at them, couldn't deal with them. And it was kind of weighing on me because I knew that we wanted to do this book, but but the other two books, Clockwork Lives and Clockwork Angels, they just they meant so much to me that I I was intimidated like how could I possibly get up to that level again? And it was on the year anniversary of his death. I, I kind of, I, I sat around and I just thought, I, I need to get my button gear. I need to do this. And so I wrote to Carrie, his widow. I just said, you know, Neil and I were working on this and I've got these notes. And what do you want me to do? I mean, if you, if you want me to just, to just bury him, I won't do any more with it. And and she was very enthusiastic and and she gave me her full um blessing to do it and so i got out all the notes and i reread them and they just sort of inspired all kinds of stuff and i then reread the first two and the audiobook of clockwork angels uh, Neil narrated it. He wanted to read it. He loved the book so much. He has a beautiful voice, an absolutely beautiful voice. And so, boy, I was really scared uh, to just play that. But it was really cathartic. I mean, just listening to him read the book. And then Clockwork Lives with all these great stories in it. And I was ready to go. I just, like, I had it. I got it in me. I was ready. And... um as I mentioned before, I do all my writing with a uh, with a recorder by dictation. I'll mm -hmm. prop here. And one of my favorite places in the world is is the Canyonlands of Southern Utah, the Red Rock Deserts and the Arches and all that. And it was one of Neil's favorite places too. And he uh, he explored. <laughs> I think I think I turned him on to it. I kept saying, "Oh, you got to go to Canyonlands, the Needles District, and all this." And and so. Um, my wife sort of gave me her permission and said, you need to do this, go off, go off into Utah for a week and, and start writing. And again, this was more than a year after he had passed away. And I went out to Utah 
and I had my outline and it just poured out of me. I think I wrote 50,000 words in that first week. Wow. I just wrote like crazy and it just, it just came out and it, uh, and then the following week, I think I finished the rest of it. And then I went back to edit it all and polish it. And it was such, it was just all hands on deck, everything coming out of me. And it was like 30 days from the day I wrote the first words. The watchmaker was dying, but nobody knew. Mm-hmm. 30 days from that to the time I had the finished edited manuscript ready to send in. Holy mackerel. And this, I believe, is one of my my best books. You got to show, show it here. It <laughs> is. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. Um, the end papers and and just the design on the inside, and and this is the the grand finale of it. And uh, as I said, Neil read the audio for the first one, and so I thought it was only fitting that I'd be the narrator for the last one. Wow! And wow. so I went into the studio. Uh, for weeks and weeks, and I read this uh, this book, and I, I did the whole audiobook recording. Uh, and I, I know VJ isn't having the audio. I don't think you're having the audios for sale, but but in the audiobook version, there's a special afterward that I put that's exclusive just to the audiobook because yeah. I found a bunch of the letters that Neil sent me when he was recording Clockwork Angels, oh, wow. and I'm reading all of those and the the experience of it. So. Um, anyway, as you can tell, this is, this is an extremely special book to me and I'm so happy to have it out and I'm, (laughs) I'm so pleased and I'm kind of scared to see what the reaction is going to be, but, but, uh, it was, um, you know, something I had to do and I think I, I did the best I could. You know, as a fanboy myself, you nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. All the themes. Everything played against each other beautifully, and, you know, it was things wind down. Entropy always wins. Mm-hmm. And, uh, by the way, I want to thank you for turning me on uh, to the live version of The Garden, which is incredible. That, and, that is their their absolute best song. I mean, I mm-hmm. I can't listen to it without getting all choked up, and it was... The the last song on the last album, and it's there. There couldn't be a better ending. So, guys, just, just look up on YouTube "The Garden" by Rush. It, it's even if you don't like Rush, you will like this one. It is so meaningful. And when Neil wrote the lyrics to this, remember he was sending them to me when he was writing them. I got this really excited letter from him that he he sent it to me, and he just said, "I think I just wrote the most beautiful song in my entire career." And and it was, and it is just a supreme, supreme accomplishment. 